Good afternoon and welcome to you today. Follow up Friday and the podcast brought to you, of course, by Equine Devil's Advocate. Good God, what a day. The weather. Raining, wind, buckets blowing everywhere like missiles a day to even test the very worth of the rubber gear. That is our unpredictable British weather, which is why we're always talking about it. Dear, oh dear. But actually, it's quite a bit nicer now. It seems to have calmed down this evening. We even have a teeny tad of sunshine and the birdies are tweeting. So that is the only benefit, is that it is now a little bit lighter of an evening. So we can see the buckets and we need to go and pick them up for wherever they've blown to. Now, today is, of course, follow-up Friday and your correspondence. Before we do that, I just want to do a little recap from Monday's episode and also from last week where we talked about and explored the gremlins, those wicked little comments that cast aspersions upon you and your horse and probably your skill. They do then upgrade to unpleasant trees, putting it mildly, the unpleasant trees that cast a greater shadow, that awful shadow of doubt, that seeping gloom that eats away at the pleasure of being with your horse, that gloom that is cast from others with their strong opinions. Now, I read you an email from someone who clearly has been subjected to this for quite some considerable time. There's a theme in all of their correspondence, but thank you very much for submitting it because it's very valuable. It has brought us to this point. The theme was there to see. So today, I have an email I would very much like to read to you all from someone who is directly involved in this particular situation. And I can guarantee that whilst we are discussing one person's situation, there are many, many more of you out there subjected to the very self-same thing. So today, let's explore what can we do exactly to shift that gloom and to come out the other side better for it. So, let us begin. Now, I have to say, this email is absolutely beautiful and so eloquent. So, let me read it to you. It starts like this. I've dealt with my own gremlins over the course of time in all walks of life the scars of which still impact my life today, albeit nowhere nearly as much as they used to. I got rid of one set of gremlins and then got a whole new lot. Hence, your topic makes me wonder, do we ever truly get rid of the gremlins or do we just learn to deal with them and not to let them bother us? 
do we throw our wellies on and go dance in the rain, so to speak? What's fueled my comment is the email at the centre of your yard fluff and stuff topic. That email came from my girlfriend. As such, I've been present at the livery yard when these gremlins, as you call them, cast their dark clouds over her, with their repeated comments and opinions about her horse being too big for her, needing to be worked properly, amongst other snidey comments said on a weekly basis. You talk about the dark cloud that it casts over people, and how it eats away at people's drive and passion for what they are doing. And I've watched her question herself in all aspects of her riding and horse ownership abilities, unnecessarily, because the comments play on her mind. Many people don't consider the impact that their comments can have on others. Comments that play on the mind in the following days and weeks, if not years after, it undermines people's self-confidence in all that they do, not just equestrian-related. Much of this stuff, in my view, boils right down to basic bullying, and it's like we're back in the playground at school. It's about knocking someone else down to make themselves feel better. To be seen to be more knowledgeable, to be top dog on the yard, the list goes on, and the reasons for doing it are so endless. They don't care who they are hurting in the process. He goes on to say, "Now I hate the negativity, so my response to about all of this has been, always been, don't worry about what they're saying." Stick to your guns. Focus on what you want to achieve, on riding the way you want to ride, that both you and your horse are happy. Listen to the people that support you, and don't give a hoot about the others and what they have to say. If you want to ride when no one is about, because you're happier and more comfortable doing so, then we'll get up early, or we'll stay late and ride under the floodlights. Ultimately. Do what you feel is best to develop your own self-confidence and keep on doing your thing. I guess the point of my comment on this topic is, whilst you spoke about gremlins and yard politics that drag everyone down, maybe we need to remember that we shouldn't have to deal with it alone. Speak to your friends, family, or just fellow owner riders who aren't gremlins. Or those who have also suffered at the hands of them. These are the people that will offer support and advice, the ones that will knock sense back into you because they believe in you, even if you don't believe in yourself. They are people that will go in and bat for you, no questions asked, because they won't stand for people being mean to you. Or your horse, regardless of their own abilities or knowledge. But also, maybe because they don't want you to have to go through it alone, just because they did once upon a time. 
and they also know that having someone in your corner gives you that extra strength to keep on trucking and keep doing what you're doing. In my experience, eventually you learn to get your wellies on and go dance in the rain, however dark the clouds get. And those people that support you, well, they're already out there in theirs. Well, we here at Equine Devil's Advocate can't thank you enough for that email. It's stunning and so poignant. What we wanted to do today was actually discuss it further because it is a problem. It is a real problem. And you're right, it is in all walks of life. And I think the most poignant point was made in when you said, I see her questioning herself in all aspects of her riding and horse ownership abilities, unnecessarily because the comments play on her mind. Exactly. This is the problem. That is exactly what the dark cloud of doubt does. First, it casts a little shadow, a little doubt that grows and grows. So we know it really is a very big, all-encompassing problem. So let's take a little time to dissect this problem and reassemble it, hopefully minus the gloom. Now, bullying is essentially about control. It is truly unrealistic to think that any of us are going to go through life and not encounter this somewhere, somehow, and to some degree or another. It does start in school. It does start in the playground. And I do still believe that it's something we learn. We learn to toy with gremlins. We learn to pick up on them. And it starts as perhaps a little bit of picking on others to then flat out, full on bullying. But it is the same thing. It is an attempt to establish some level of control. Perhaps it ends in successful control, or perhaps not. Perhaps it's a phase. Perhaps it becomes a useful, established tool for the controller. Now, I am going to throw the cat amongst the pigeons here, because if one can stand back and look at it, one can see that it's a fundamental part of growing up. It's a fundamental part of developing and establishing ourselves and our place in this big, wide world. Think about it for a moment. It is about testing, testing, testing. How far can I go? What can I gain? Popularity, respect... An easy route to material goods, like give me your shoes or else. Well, how about a punch in the nose instead? But it is all about me. 
it is all about establishing how much control can I gain? And of course, how does it benefit me? All about the me. Now, just bear with me on this because as the picture unfolds, I think perhaps you'll be able to see it in a slightly different light. In young animals, you will also see the same thing, the same theme throughout nature, and not just nature, but also our domesticated animals. Play, it starts as play, but it's also testing, 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 all the while, who quickly becomes bigger, stronger, quicker, more agile. Who, therefore, has the right to more control? Look around you and look at your horses, just, for instance, turned out in the paddock. You'll see the same thing. So, do you get the picture? Now, I also suggest that in nature, this is something, to some degree, that has a good deal more honesty and perhaps simplicity about it. The dominant proves his or herself and the other accepts. They accept that superior quality, whatever it may be. Oh, okay, you're faster than me. You're stronger than me. Therefore, I concede. Now, in this situation, there we have it. Job done. The roles are accepted. It doesn't go any further. It doesn't need to. But, however, in people, that fundamental trait becomes, admittedly not always, but can very often become severely distorted and twisted. Now, herein lies the problem. One could probably spend a lifetime researching it, and I'm sure it would be fascinating and very, very interesting, and perhaps not a bad thing to do. But for the purpose of this podcast, let's keep things very true. True to this scenario and the scenario that we have laid out before us. Now, in your email, you also say many people don't consider the impact of their comments. Well, I suggest to you, many of them actually do. Because here again, it is test, test, test. Where does that comment land? What is the result of that comment? You could perhaps use this analogy. Yeah, think of it like this. Puppies, a litter of puppies playing rough and tumble roughhousing, developing and testing. They have little puppy growls and they're chewing on each other's necks and wrestling. Same thing. Until bigger, stronger puppy just goes that tiny bit further, that tiny little test. What happens if I really bite your ear? Well, other puppy squeaks, ah, that hurt. What do we tend to do? 
We dive in. We separate them. Naughty puppy. We would probably say to the bigger one, no, 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 and put it down. What we might then do is pick up the smaller one, and we would comfort it. Oh, are you all right? Let me have a look. Oh, poor little sausage. Get the picture. Now, we have created this little view of the scenario. In our view, we have thuggy bigger puppy and poor little victim puppy. Well, was that the best move we could make at that stage? Probably not. What we could have done instead is yes, separate them briefly, but then put them back, facing each other. You see, it's very likely that smaller puppy, hurt squeaky puppy, could, within the blink of an eye, develop a bit of attitude and swiftly <laughs> reprimand the other puppy for going too far. Bigger puppy, it's very likely, could actually be taken back. Whoa, feisty! Suddenly, bigger puppy. Has its first lesson in consequences. That is learning and self-development. The other scenario we could perhaps choose is: Whoa, little puppy, get in there, fight your corner, stick up for yourself. Again, too strong an opinion, too much force, too much. Direction it is not coming from the confidence of the smaller puppy. You see, I firmly believe that we have within us the tools. Our tools are already there. We just need to learn how to use them. They can be wit. They can be creativity. They can be a sharp tongue. They can be being stronger. They can be being wiser, being smarter, being more eloquent, being more adept at assessing a situation. We have many, many tools, and I think we are not encouraged to look to those, to build on those, and to develop our self-confidence from that place. So let's go back to our current situation and our current problem. Sadly, you see, in adulthood, we are we are way past that point. That boat has sailed. You know that in its innocence, but also in its purity and its honesty, now is so distorted. It looks like something completely different. But it isn't. You see, the key ingredient here. And in the puppy analogy, is still about confidence. Confidence, even of the smaller puppy, to try. Oh, how dare you! You see, that confidence is there in all of us. We've just lost sight of it, and I think it's so important to recognise this because it's the same here. All the gremlins, snide comments, and forceful opinions—they t- 
target. They have a target, and that target is a chink in the confidence, a failing confidence. That is the only way that they can work and gain traction. It doesn't matter if that's from the playground or all the way up to adulthood. It is sniffing out that little chink in the wavering confidence of the other. That is where they drive their wedge for instant control. And from what you've said in your email, it is working. Your girlfriend is and has fallen prey to it, and is losing more confidence. Now we could, of course, see all these others as oh, big thuggy puppy, and tackle them, but it wouldn't work because they are hooked. They are way too vested in toying with that fragile confidence. That is where we have to go. That is where we need to look to find our solution. Now I call this fluff and stuff because it's just a cover. It's just a deceit to disguise the truth. It's like. The too big comment. I take you back to Gudrun and Sandy, myself and Quivardis. Too big is utterly, utterly irrelevant. What is relevant is the horse and the personality of the horse itself, not its size. So, rebuilding self-confidence. It is something that requires work, and it does require support. And somebody in your corner is invaluable. But there's always a twist when horses are at the centre of it, because that does add another dimension to this whole debacle. So how best do we reassemble this scenario? Well, I take you back to what I said on Monday. Look at the horse. Who is this horse? Not what is this horse? Big, small, whatever. It's who. Who is he as a personality? What makes him tick? And where are his flaws? The flaws in your eyes. There will be some. And do not ask yourself this question from the perspective of trying to satisfy the needs of others. Not at all. No. What is really, really important for your girlfriend is to find, truthfully, what is not quite gelling between her and this horse. Where was that confidence very first eroded? What happened? That is the nub. That is the chink that they have latched onto from the very beginning. You see, it was already there. They didn't create it, but they certainly saw it, smelt it. And tapped into it.
I say again, it was already there. You need to know what exactly it is, truthfully and honestly. Food for thought, I know, and also it does require a bit of soul searching. Now that then brings me to another point in your email. I could not agree with you more to the point about being open and talking to those that support you and those that want to see you succeed and flourish and do really, really well with your horse, whatever that may be, however big that picture be or however small that picture may be. And yes, sometimes it may well be that they come on strong to do this. In fact, thinking about it, I had exactly that self-same thing happen to me quite recently, actually, last year. I found myself in a situation where I really needed desperately some knowledgeable advice. So I made a call to someone, um, somewhat expecting some sympathy and an answer. Well, what I actually got was brusque, blunt, very straight to the point, and wow, I was actually a bit taken aback. But in stopping to think about it, it was absolutely the very best answer and it led to the very best outcome. So yes, when somebody kicks that sense back into you because they believe in you, it is brilliant, but you still have to build your own confidence and not just rely on their strengths. Do reach out for help and know that you're not alone. Help is out there and it is available. You just need to identify, as I said, and again on Monday, what exactly is the real chink in your self-confidence with your horse. So, to reassemble, maybe think along these lines. Create your own little bubble. In it, at the centre of that bubble, is you and your horse. Look again at what you don't quite like between you. Perhaps what's not gelling. Look at what you would perhaps like to improve on. Just a little bit. Then, when you've done that, invite the best person you know into that bubble. My suggestion here very strongly would be the very person that wrote this email. Talk it through with them. Again, not duplicate the gremlin people, those that throw water on them and make them breed, but exactly what you would start to do that would generate some confidence between you and your horse. Then you can explore. Ah, discuss. Ah, think of some ideas. Ah. Then, when you have an idea, invite the next person into your bubble of conversation and talk it through with them. This is how you grow in your self-confidence because you are asking 
the questions. You are in control of the situation and you are inviting those that you want into your bubble. Look at it from the other side. Avoidance tactics. Riding late or early. You see, you're still doing that from a place of no confidence. Nothing has changed. Believe me, I know. And what happens is half your mind is always, oh, listening out for that particular car or the sound of that voice that you overhear. It's the same when you arrive at the yard. You can bolster yourself and be full of confidence and it's not going to get me down. Then you get to the car park, you see a particular car and your stomach sinks. They have the control. You haven't even seen them yet, but already they have the control. And you might say, well, how then? How, with all this going on, how do I create a perfect bubble in the midst of all this? Well, we here at Equine Devil's Advocate say to you, simple. First you decide, before you go to your yard, after your conversation, choose one small task to work on, to assess, to think about, to explore how to start making a little change. One small stepping stone. Then, when you get to the yard, put your phone in your pocket, plug your earbuds into your phone and stick them in your ears. Listen to whatever you choose. Be it music that you like, oh, a podcast, a motivational speaker, an interview with a rider that you admire, somebody who's had a crisis of confidence and talks about coming through the other side. It doesn't matter. It's your choice. Choose something that inspires you, something that makes you feel a little bit lifted, and something that will benefit you to hear. Something that draws you into a positive state of mind and shuts out the rest of the yard. That's where you start. Antisocial? Oh, by God, yes. Be antisocial. It is the very best place to begin. And whilst you're doing this, should someone disturb you, well then, be disturbed. Be irked that you have to stop and take your earbuds out. If they ask you a question, what? What do you want? Be courteous and brief with your reply. Then immediately put your earbuds back in and go back about your business. It might be a shaky start, but it will work. And in terms of the riding, I have actually had this sort of little idea in the back of my mind about developing a riding podcast that would be centred around core and breathing and position. I haven't quite worked out how exactly to do that, given that pretty much everybody is an individual, as are their horses. But there's an idea developing in my head. So, But anyway, in the meantime, think along those lines. Now, a thought may enter your head. Okay, if I do this, am I not fully engaged 
with my horse? True. No, you're not. And right here, right now, you don't need to be. In fact, detaching yourself just a little bit will actually surprise you, because doing this quite often brings the horse forward because it wants. To engage with you, you've actually just created a little bit of needed mental space. Instead of standing there looking at your horse, well, what shall I do now? And thinking of who's watching you, or who's assessing you, or or who's judging you, and all these thoughts are running around in your mind, how to organise it, stop it, or whatever it may be. You now have your mind clearly focused on yourself. Within yourself and what you're listening to, and the response in your horse may actually surprise you. And when you're ready, another bubble conversation does need to be had. You need to look at what happens when you do go to your yard. What happens from an external perspective of your relationship? With your horse, are you instantly servant to him? He sees you, and it's bring me, fetch me, carry me, do do do, run quicker, quicker, quicker. Are you mummy, perhaps watching over his every move, deflecting and defending him, and trying to explain and justify what he's doing? In this situation, I somehow doubt it's a controlling picture. But I do think it's really important to discuss it, to look into your bubble and discuss what actually does that picture look like, and what do you like about that picture? Where does it dampen your confidence, and where in that picture does it cause you slight problems? You have the answers; you just have to ask yourself to give them. To you, remember, no one is perfect. We are all flawed in some way, and we all have room for improvement. People who support you won't judge you for it. Now, I'm going to add a little gremlin squashing success story email that I have for you. Proof. Of the pudding, as we might say. Have a listen to this. It goes, great last two episodes. Yes, I too have experienced gremlins, lots of them everywhere, and spent less time at the yard. However, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and if I am mentally focused on my thoughts and my horse. I can block them out. I have had a grateful breakthrough, and by being mentally strong on what I want from my horse, not what others expect, I can achieve my goal. This was made clear when those who would watch have gone. I am no longer so interesting to watch. And those who spent considerable time and effort to get me to react to their gremlins and their behaviour have now stopped, given up, and gone away. Now people ask why 
I do things differently, rather than give me their suggestion of what I should do. Luckily, I have a good team behind me and an instructor that makes sure I keep my focus. So all that you said applies, as you know. There you have it. Somebody that is doing has done and has come out the other side. Proof positive that this works. Proof positive that we can put our wellies on and dance in the rain, whilst watching the dark clouds of gloom clear away. We can do that with our horses, full of confidence. That we sometimes get things wrong, but there was always opportunity to put them right. So, on that note, please do join us on Monday for more from Equine Devil's Advocate. We are, of course, on Podbean, Facebook, Spotify, iTunes, and our website www.equinedevilsadvocate.com. To all of you, very many thanks for your correspondence, and have a great weekend. So, until Monday, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, take care, and we will, of course, speak soon.